to speak a little slower. And that was, I appreciate, oh, I appreciate that comment. Um, I had forgotten that the, also that the translator does not have a delay between to do the translations for Portuguese and so <clears throat> and so I have some ex I have some ex friends from Portugal and Galicia <laughs> that I'm going to have to deal with on the way home. <laughs> now this part should go faster. I'm not speaking faster. <laughs> Because I added the first part to the first session because I felt it was very important to uh, nail down is an expression means remachar in español, say in Portuguese. Yeah, okay, to nail down the principles that Jean gave in his uh, in the, in his sessions. That is an issue that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Okay. Um, White House Churches. I'm going to read part of this section. Uh, my material is not original. Okay. I want to be honest with everybody. I started this adventure towards house churches in um, <clears throat> somewhere around 1983, as a result of uh, a friend of mine who was with Tulsa Christian Fellowship at the time in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Jim Garrett, tremendous apostolic man, um, <clears throat> and he just shared with me some of their experiences and some of their literature, and that that piqued my interest, uh, uh, stimulated my interest. That's the meaning of piqued. <clears throat> stimulated my interest in this. And then I stayed away from reading about house churches for a long time because I wanted God to speak to us. I didn't want to bring in ideas that worked somewhere else but maybe it wasn't what God wanted for us. And after a number of years of working out the idea of house churches in the practice in Santiago, I picked up a couple of sources. And the last one I picked up, I, I'm sure you've all heard of this book or have read it, maybe, perhaps, even, uh, written by a German, Wolfgang Simpson who lives in Madras, uh, India, and the title of the book is Houses That Transform the World. Um, <clears throat> as is the case with all books, I cannot say I agree with everything. And I'm sure if Wolfgang and I sat down at a table and compared things, he wouldn't agree with everything I say, and that's fine. But he does say some really good stuff. And he doesn't do it only on a practical basis. He traveled around the world to study different groups. And that's what gave me a little greater universe. The greater universe, for me, added a little bit more authority to what he was relating. No. Okay. 
In one of his statements, he says the following. In aligning, aligning, alineamento, in aligning itself to the religious patterns of the day, the historic church after Constantine in the fourth century AD adopted a religious system which was in essence an Old Testament system, complete with priests, altars, temples, cathedrals, frankincense, and Jewish synagogue-style worship patterns. The Roman Catholic Church went on to canonize the system. Luther reformed the content of the gospel, but left the outer forms of the church remarkably untouched. The free churches freed the system from the state. The Baptists then baptized the church. The Quakers dry cleaned the church and the Salvation Army put it into a uniform. And the Pentecostals anointed the church and the Charismatics renewed the church. But until today, nobody has really changed the superstructure of the system. It's about time we do that. Yes. I, I appreciated that uh, insight from him. No, I thought, I thought it was really great. For me, bad practices are as damaging as bad theology. For me, bad practices are as damaging as bad theology. The incorrect forms of the church makes the church as sterile as incorrect doctrine. Well, let me say that again. Incorrect forms make the church as sterile as does incorrect doctrine. That's why, for me, the issue of house church in a post-Christian world is important to get back to the forms that the church lived in to the pre-Christian world using not only the same forms, but the same message, the same power, the same presence, the same mission, the same testimony as we saw. Okay. What is the scriptural basis for house churches? You've all been through this. I'm going to skip this section, but I'm just going to say one thing. You've all, you've all read the instances of house churches in the New Testament, and you've been through that. Okay. I like this text. I like it. Peterson did a good job in his translation, The Message, with this text. He said, and Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail, forced them to leave their home base. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the word about Jesus. 
going down to a Samaritan city, Philip proclaimed the message of the Messiah. I love what he did to that text. He just, he says, Saul just went wild. He just went wild. He went bonkers, devastating the church. Yeah? He went from house to house to house. Why? Because that's where the church was. That's where he knew he was going to find the church. And along with that, there's a lot of other, <clears throat> there are a lot of other texts. I mean, you know, I've got, I've got texts from, from Matthew 10 all the way down to, wow, Second uh, John. Yeah. For example, there are a lot of texts in the New Testament that if we read it with the church, the house church mentality in mind, we will understand the text better. For example, 2 John 1.10 says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. That doesn't mean you can't have him over for dinner. It means keep him out of your house church. It was, it was just so natural. They didn't, those people did not need that explanation. It was obvious. You don't let him into the house because there's a meeting there and he's got the wrong teaching. And there are other texts just like that one. I could, but let's go on. Let's go on. I want to I wanna spend some real time talking about what a house church is. Now, I want you to learn a phrase, okay? I want, you to, I want you to repeat this phrase after me, okay? According to you. Repeat. According to you. According to you. I want to tell you what a house church is like. According to me. According to you. Ah, we failed the exercise. Again. What is, I want to tell you what a house church looks like. No, no, no. Okay. Again, let's start. According to you. Now, you have to be good papagayos. No? You have to be, just repeat what I tell you. Don't repeat anything else. I tell you, repeat. According to you. I'm going to tell you what a house church looks like. According to me. You get it? You don't repeat the first part. You repeat the last part. I'm going to tell you what a house church looks like according to you. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm giving you my impression. And I want you to understand that that's all it is. Okay. Perhaps to understand better what a house church is... It would be good to review and understand what a house church is not. Okay? Sometimes we understand the product better when we understand what it isn't or what it doesn't do. Yeah. <clears throat> the house church is not a prayer meeting. It's not a Bible study. Take it slow. Take it slow. Thank you. From the beginning. A house church is not a prayer meeting. 
It's not a Bible study. It's not a discipleship meeting. It's not a mini cult, a mini, um, no, 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 it's not a mini church service, yeah. It isn't, in other words, you don't just take Sunday morning church and put it in your house and do the same thing you would do one place you do in the other, no. It's not a therapeutic session. Therapeutic session. No. No, no, no. House churches aren't care groups. Care groups. If you've ever been to the United States, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, forget it. No, you don't you, you don't you don't need to know. If you've never been there, you don't need to know, right? It's not a, a care group is a group where everybody takes care is concerned about everybody else. Yeah. It sounds good. But it's not a care group. They aren't family reunions. House churches aren't seekers meetings. From Rick Warren. Yeah. They're not seekers meetings. Yeah. I think Rick Warren's best book he ever wrote was, was uh, Una Vida con Propósito. I think the worst book he ever wrote was Una Iglesia con Propósito. That's my personal opinion. Because that came from his import-export department. The, the, uh, the, I'm sorry, I gave those in Spanish, didn't I? I'm sorry. Uh, that, uh, A Purpose-Driven Life, I think, is the best book he ever wrote. To me, that book was prophetic within the context in which he wrote it. Fabulous. But the Purpose-Driven Church... Don't waste your money. My opinion. I wasted my money. <laughs> no, it has some good ideas, some, but, but it's very, very oriented to the Christianized world in the United States. That's, the, that's my issue with it. I live in Latin America. book didn't do us any good. <clears throat> it's not a family reunion. It's not a seekers meeting. In fact... The house church is not a meeting at all. It's not a meeting. It's not a session. No. The concept of the church functioning in the houses of the brothers encompasses all of that, all of the aforementioned, and much, 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 much more. More than a meeting, it's a context. More than a session, it's a life-giving nucleus. More good. More than a meeting, it's a context. And more than a session, it's a life-giving nucleus. Eh, núcleo de vida, ah, o portugués. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> huh? Ok. 
Okay? Okay. Um, hmm? Yeah? Nucleus is the cell. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Perfect. Perfect. Except, if you're going to understand that within the context of the cell church, forget it. Use nucleus. I prefer it. And you will not cause confusion with others who have had contact with the cell group movement. I wouldn't use that term. I would use nucleus. More than informative, it is formative. More than informative, it's formative. The object of its teaching is not to make you smarter or give you more knowledge. It's to make you wiser and live like Jesus. That is, to me, a key issue. In regard to the element of time, a house church is 24-7. It's not a meeting. It's 24-7. It's a reality. It goes from Monday to Sunday. In regard to space, space and infrastructure, it encompasses everything a city or a locality has to offer where the brothers live. We use the coffee shops, we use the gymnasiums, we use the, the movie theaters, we use the parks, we use the plazas, we use the bus stations, we use everything. And the house. Sometimes we even meet in the house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As for the ministry, as for the ministry, it encompasses everything that is involved in the personal development, personal development and function of the disciples in the context of the church. I'll repeat that one. As far as ministry is concerned, because I talked about time, it's 24-7, right? I talked about infrastructure, everything that's available. Everything's open game for us. And about ministry, it, it, it encompasses everything that, involved, that is involved in the personal development and function of the disciples in the context of the church. I'm going to explain this with a graphic, I think. <laughs> A little bit later. The concept of house church is not part of the church's program as if it were yet another method. It's another life. Amen. It's not another method. And it's not another church. It's another life. It's, it's, it, 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 if you try to incorporate this into your traditional church, you're, you're not even talking... Uh, uh, Apples and oranges. You're talking apples and horses. You know? I mean, they're not related at all. Except for the essentials. Except for the essentials. And then, and in that, yes, they are related. Many congregations have tried to include what they understand as home groups. Home gatherings. 
cellular ministry. They've tried to incorporate this in the programs of their ministries with negative results. In some cases, disastrous results. That's why I say, after you've listened, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Whatever he leads will give fruit. <clears throat> above all, this occurs, uh, above all other situations, this disaster occurs where the Holy Spirit is not manifest nor is not permitted to lead the house church. And that is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, mm -hmm, yeah, I'm going to repeat that. Mm -hmm. is, I, I said, above all other disastrous results, these are realities that take place. The destruction, the loss of life, the people who don't understand and leave and, um, and who become, dis, uh, not deceived, uh, decepcionado, disappointed. This all happens when the Holy Spirit hasn't been allowed to lead the ministry in the house church. That is so important because Paul, he would start a church. He would be there a month, three months, six months, maybe sometimes very rarely more than that. And he took off. And who was in charge? Because it was only in his second missionary journey did he go about establishing elders in all of the congregations. Who was in charge? Absolutely. 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 This is because the house church as a method to be developed in a meeting or a series of meetings in a traditional environment, it will not work. Try to apply house church principles to a traditional church setting, it will not work. It won't. Also something about the vision of house churches. This is not a, re a recent reality. This is, there's nothing new about this. The concept of house churches was born before any of us were. The concept was not born neither in Chile, neither in Brazil, neither in Consvaca, it was born long before and in faraway places in Jerusalem, in Antioch, in Caesarea, in Rome. And throughout history, there is a testimony to the function of house churches in the world. Went to Cuba a few years ago with Juan Pablo. 
we met a pastor in La Habana that had only in La Habana more than 2,000 house churches. Not 2,000 believers, 2,000 house churches. It was an illegal church. It could not have a building nor meet in a building. Where did they meet? In the house. And why were there 2,000? Because in Cuba at that time, there was a restriction as to how many people could meet in a house at one time. If you had a birthday party and you wanted to invite 13 people, you couldn't. You could only invite 11. <laughs> Not 12. <laughs> 11. Multiply 2,000 by 11. The church spread in Cuba like wildfire. The fire of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can run 2,000 house churches is with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. No pastor can do that. Nor a team of pastors either. It was a tremendous experience. Wow. Wonderful. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's go on. I'm going to skip a lot. Sorry. Um, so what does house church or the church functioning in and through the houses mean? We know what it doesn't mean. Now, what does it mean? It is the church of our... Oh, I forgot one exercise. According to you. Thank you. <laughs> it is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ the family of God operating in all the city all week long with active participation by all of its members using the homes of the brothers as a base and a center of operations. That's the house church. I'll repeat that. <laughs> Three more times. <laughs> Thank you. According to me. That's right. It is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, the family of God, operating in all the city, all week long, with active participation by its members, using the homes of the believers as a base and center of operations. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to go to one other basic point, and then we're going to see a, a visual image of, according to me, <laughs> what's involved in house church. But I want to I want to really remarcar, um, underline this. House church is not a meeting. It is the reality of God's family all week long. There is a central meeting or two or three. There are times to get together to pray or two or three. 
Discipleship takes place not in the meeting. Discipleship is one-on-one, is one-on-one. It's one who's walked a little farther than I have, like our brother on Thursday night who nailed me with his message. Discipleship is teaching life one-on-one, one-on-one. Or one married couple with another married couple. It's not a group exercise. I can't get intimate with my disciples if their neighbors are sitting in the living room. I can't even get intimate with the man if his wife is sitting there. I can, and we do, with Kathy, we do get intimate with them when there's a couple there. Because discipleship for us is teaching people how to live. Teaching people how to live. Later there will be time to teach them what to believe. Or maybe even in the same process. But how to live. And most people when they come to the Lord. That's their first question. What do I do? And if they're going to hear theological discussions. They're going to lose interest real fast. Because that's not discipleship. Talking about some cultural aspects, uh, we're dealing deep into cultural territory here. I'm going to say that again. Talking about the cultural aspects. That is to say, I do not want you to try to do here what we do in Chile. Please don't try. It won't work. Our culture is different. And I'm extremely culturally aware because I'm not from that culture. And I have to be aware of the cultural differences we're deep, we're, we're deep into cultural territory here. We've got to have the direction of God. He's the only one that really understands how to apply his principles to the operative culture of the place and the time. He's the only one. He's the only one. Not all cultures will react the same way. We must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, I also want to mention one other element before we get into the particulars. The house church is where the real ministry is going to be resurrected. I don't use the word recovered. I use the word resurrected because in most places it's totally dead. I, if, if I, and I'm really serious about this. I don't say this from a pride issue at all. Please don't. I'm, I don't like to be autoreferente. Somebody help Uh, I don't like to use myself as an example. But if, if, if if you give me six good people, we'll start house churches all over the city within a year. Who are the six good people? I want an apostle. I want a prophet. I want an evangelist. 
I want a pastor teacher. I want a deacon. And eventually I want an elder. You put that ministry team together and you will start house churches all over the city. And that's how God intended it from the very beginning. But in our structured churches that most of the energy and resources are placed, all of the importance on one central meeting that has to get bigger and more expensive all the time, we do not have that opportunity for those ministries to come into their workings in the body of Christ. The house church is for that. The house church is for that. You, 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 need, you need the apostolic leading. You need the connective force of the apostolic ministry. You need the vision. And for a time, the protection. Until you get elders. He's there to protect you too. You need somebody who's listening to God more than he's listening to the group. And that's your prophet. He's listening to God more than he's listening to the group. But please don't start a church with a prophet. <laughs> that is a disaster. <laughs> Mamma mia. What are you going to do? <laughs> I want somebody who, I don't care where he goes, He's so full of Jesus, he talks to everything that moves, even if it has a tail. <laughs> that was Ivan Baker, right? I don't care where Ivan Baker was, he even talked to the dogs. <laughs> I saw him do it. <laughs> I did, even we were in a plaza. He, he was crazy. No, he wasn't crazy, he was an evangelist. Much more than an apostle, Ivan was an evangelist. We've got one, Jose Miguel. I don't care where Jose Miguel goes. He went to the United States one time. This is out of his language, out of his culture. He had to go to the United States for work, for a conference. And he was driving down the highway one day, and he saw this person standing on the side of the highway with this sign on it. Can anybody help me, said the sign. Jose Miguel hit the brakes, stopped the car, went backwards. He didn't know you're not supposed to do that on the, <laughs> on the highway in the States, but he did. He went back. He asked the guy, what's your name? I'm Jose Miguel. What is your problem? Ah, throw your stuff in the car. I'm going to a conference. They gave me a hotel room. I'll share the hotel room with you. And he did. Yes. And the guy lived with him for a week. And was converted. Give me an evangelist. Jose Miguel goes anywhere. And people's lives are touched forever. Even if they reject his message. They'll never forget Jose Miguel. Give me a pastor. 
Now, let me explain one thing. Pastor-based churches are not found in the Bible. We really did a disfavor to the ministry of the pastor when he made him the chief executive of the church. One reason is, is because the church has several pastors, spiritually speaking, functionally speaking, but they can't all function because they've got a pastor, a paid guy who works in the office. That church is not found in the Bible anywhere. I want a pastor who knows his people, loves his people, loves their kids, would do anything for them. He hears God, but he hears his people more. And he needs the prophet. Because the prophet listens to God more than the people. That pastor is released into the full richness of his grace when he functions within the context of all the others. He doesn't have to have the vision. He doesn't have to be the evangelist. He'll, he'll win a few people, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to teach all of the seminars. He doesn't have to baptize all the people. He can just be a pastor. Hey, that's tremendous. Wow. You know? And give me a teacher. Because we've got to feed these sheep. And we need to feed them. A good teacher, you know what a good teacher can do? A good teacher can take complex issues, reduce them to understandable terms without losing the importance of the complexity. Let me give that again. A teacher has the capacity to take a complex issue, reduce it to usable language or understandable language without losing the complexity nor the weight of the issue. Give me a teacher and your people will be well fed. Give me a deacon with a servant's heart so that these other men can work in their grace and not have to worry about the widows and the orphans and the poor and the immigrants and the food programs. Because that's all part of the life of the church. But because we don't have deacons empowered to do that, we form a committee. And in the committee, most times, the person that has the, the grace from God, the gift, the ministerial gift to do that thing is not on the committee. Give me a deacon. Give me two or three of them. You know why? The house church has to have another mentality, brothers. It has to have the mentality of the parish. Now, I don't know what you're going to do with that. It's the parroquia, in, in uh, the parroquia, the parish. It, that's a word that comes from the Orthodox and from the Catholics and from the Lutherans. 
No? I was very impacted by a Lutheran pastor in Großhansdorf in Germany. I went to meet with him one day, um, and I asked him about, you know, his congregation, and you know, and in the midst of the in the midst of the conversation, he told me, "No, you don't understand. My church is Großhansdorf." He served all the people that he could, that he knew had needs in that town, whether they were Christian or not. That's the mentality of the house church. A house church is placed in a certain neighborhood, and they take on inside their heart the mentality of the parish where everybody in the neighborhood is part of their concern, is part of their prayer list. They help them. They help them financially. They help them with food. They help them when a baby is born. They're not part of the church. When did that other make any difference? Did God not say he was looking for a church? I don't know the word in English. Celosa de buenas obras. What is that in English? Um, Yeah, uh, full of zeal for good deeds. That word zeal is an aggressive word. That doesn't mean he's, he wants a church that just sits and waits for somebody to show up and knock on the door and say, hey, I've got a need, can you help me? No, this is the church that goes out and looks for needs to help. That's the mentality of the parish. That's the mentality of the house church. They're located in a neighborhood, but their ministry might be four, five, six, ten blocks long. All the way around. That's God's church. That's God's lighthouse. That's God's light in the neighborhood. You will never know how much good you can do to somebody you've never known if you just go out and look. Go out in the neighborhood and start praying with your eyes open. With your eyes open. That mentality is so important. Amen. For the house church. It take on an evangelistic presence. That's very powerful. And that will work anywhere. I don't know of any culture where the people don't like being loved. I don't know of anybody. You know, we had a, a situation where one of our pastors was... Uh, 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 Alfredo Silva uh, was cesante, uh, redundant in British English, uh, laid off in American English without a job. Okay, and um, he he was without a job for a year, and uh, he has three children in the university. They had just bought a large home, and uh, no no job. Well, what do you do? The church paid his salary. He's not on full-time salary. But not the church. The brothers. The brothers put together enough money. His kids did not have to drop out of the university, and he did not lose his home mortgage. They took it right out of their own pocket. Now, my question is this. They were willing to do that because he was the pastor. 
when are we going to be willing to do that to the guy next door for the guy next door who's not even a Christian? Do good to all people, especially those of the house of faith. That's the house church. That's the mentality of the, of the parish. That's taking the whole neighborhood on. Okay, uh, where's my yellow card? I'm way past, aren't I? It's good. Okay. According to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the key elements of. Uh, it should be. It's coming. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to show basically some practical aspects that we have found work better in the house church than in the central celebration, okay? We did not eliminate the celebration. We still get together, everybody. Most usually it's weekly, but it doesn't always happen that way. These key aspects, you were going to do an exercise, but I didn't leave enough time. The exercise was this. I was going to have you write down a list of everything a church does or should do. Total list. Everything you can think of. No, no, this was going to be according to you. <laughs> this was going to be according to you. And then I was going to ask you to take that list and mark off the things that are better done in a group meeting and which things are better done in the intimacy of a house church. You need to go through that exercise yourself. Okay? Congregational meeting. Yeah. Right. We have decided that in the congregational meeting, the, there are four aspects that are very important. But don't write this down. This is according to me. <laughs> You guys have to do your own homework. <laughs> One was praise and worship. Yeah, so important. But where do people learn how to praise God? In the house church. In the house church. Nobody plays a guitar. I don't care. Nobody can sing on pitch. Who cares? Oh, no. I forgot. The projector is absolutely necessary for a praise service. I forgot. Thank you, Samuel. Gosh. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and do my homework. Huh? A cell phone? Hey, I got, I got news for you guys. The early church before the Christian world, put yourself in their position. Put yourself in their context. They didn't even have light. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Praise and worship, prophetic word. For the long, yeah. Hey, but they knew it. Wow. Hey. Yeah. The, the prophetic word for the Sunday morning meeting, the Saturday night meeting, the Thursday night, well, that congregational meeting, really important so that all of the house churches are being fed and being led into the same direction. That prophetic service 
I personally would not like to suspend it ever. I don't care what the frequency is. But I see the importance of the prophet standing up and saying, I heard from God. Yeah, I want that. The other thing is ministry amongst ourselves. And we do this in two or three different ways. People that have needs, other people bring food. Some people that have needs, other people bring clothes. People that have needs, other people bring money. The offerings are need-based. They're not based on my ability. They're not based on what I want to give. The tithe belongs to God, and the rest of it belongs to my brothers. Now, how are we going to administer that? And that's really true. That's really true. There are times when we have not had, amongst the pastors, for example, a salary because there were needs in the church that were more important than our income. Fortunately, I work, so I wasn't. <laughs> I, I work part-time. I've, I've always worked. Um, yeah, that's another... Like uh, John says, that's another session. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I recommend all pastors work. My, my, my recommendation is based on this. If the church needs a pastor full-time, then we seek God and we supply the need. When the church needs a pastor full-time, then we supply the need. But we don't make a person a pastor because he needs to be a pastor. The church needs him, we will supply. The church needs another one, we will seek God. When does the church need a pastor? Full-time full pastor. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to use language that I don't even use in Chile. I don't, I don't use the word pastor, but that's okay. Uh, I'm just using the word so that everybody can understand. When do we, when they need it, is when you have to have somebody who is available in hours when everybody else works. The rest of our pastors are bivocational. All of them. They work part-time. They are part-time. No. They work part-time. They have a full-time job and a full-time ministry. Bivocational. And some people tell me, no, but that you can't get much done with that. Oh, yes, I can. Because I have, we have, I don't know how many house churches we have functioning right now. And we get more done than we did when we were under the structure where we had seven pastors. Five of them were full-time. You see, the issue isn't a pastor. The pastor... Uh, let, me, let me go back just a little bit more. I wasn't going to get into this. This was for another session. <laughs> but um, I, I was talking to Rick the other day, and I said, Rick, how many, how many are you? And he kind of looked at me a little strange. You know, and I said, well, how many, how many Ricks are there? You know, uh, he's rather a big boy, and so maybe he thought I was thinking I was looking and seeing more than one. But there's <laughs> only one Rick, right? Hi, Rick. Yeah. Now, what is Rick? 
Let's say that, let's say that, let's just say that Rick has been given the gift of teaching. Let's just say, I don't know if that's the case or not. Rick is a teacher, whether he's in the church or in the world. Because there is no difference and no division between secular and sacred. God does not have that division. I have pastored many non-Christian people in the world through my contacts, through my business. Literally pastored. One was a doctor, a friend of mine. He's the one who operated on my knees, in fact. And uh, he was in a dilemma. What is he going to do? Because his business was growing and his practice was growing too. And uh, I just started, he, he was losing contact with his boys, his three boys. I'd never met him. I, don't, I only knew the doctor, Dr. Dubois. And he asked me, what do I do? And I said, well, show me your schedule. And we started taking a look at his schedule. And I said, uh, Jaime, what do you do between 3 and 5 in the afternoon? Because before 3, he had hospital service. And at 5, he had his personal practice. And then in the night, he had to go back to hospital if he had operations or he had patients that had been operated on. And I say, Jaime, what do you do between 3 and 5? Oh, I go out to a restaurant, sit down, relax, take dinner. I said, go home and eat lunch with your kids. Go home and eat lunch with your kids and you'll get contact back. I said, because the best place to meet your family is around the table. He did. Jaime never was converted, but one of his boys was. We do this all the time. We pray for people for them to be healed, whether they're in their office or whether they're in their car or whether they're in the coffee shop or whether they're in the church. We, we love on people everywhere. We, I mean, somebody's on the street. I've done this so many times I, because it just gives me a big thrill. You know, you're on the street and somebody's there. He's begging on the street. He really needs something. You know, and your first reaction is, oh, no, another one of these. You know, he's going he's gonna to he's gonna feed me a line. He's going to lie to me. He's gonna, but you walk by and the Lord says, hey. So you go back. And you don't take out your coins. You take out your billfold. Yeah. Because he needs it. And God told you that. He's not part of the church. I might give him a word to try to evangelize him. He's not in condition. But he needed that money. I remember one day I was... I, I, I don't like to eat fast foods, but I went to McDonald's and I bought two wraps because at least they're less damaging than all the rest of the stuff that they sell. And so I, I got two wraps and I had them in a bag and I was going back to the office and this one guy came up to me and asked me for something and I literally had to tell him, I said, you know, guy, I, I haven't got a dime. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you one of my wraps. Give me one of my wraps and he was gone. We do this all the time because this is God's church worried about for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
When did God stop loving the world? When you got saved? God still loves the world. And the last principle before I get into this, and then, and then I, I will. You guys have to understand the church is the second incarnation of God in the world. Jesus was the first. One more time. I will give it to you. The church is the second incarnation of God in the world. Jesus, Jesus Christ came from eternity and came into a body and they called that body Jesus. And he lived and he died and he left. And then another one came. And he took on a body and he's still here. And that body is the incarnation. That's why Paul says we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. We are the second incarnation of God in the world. What did Jesus do? We talked about this. No, He won around doing good and destroying the works of the devil. So what do we do? Do the same thing. Do the same thing. And 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 the beautiful part about this is, the scripture in Hebrews that says, "Seek peace and holiness, without which nobody will see the Lord." He's not talking about you and me. He's talking about the people in the world. If I'm not holy, they're not going to see the Lord. If I'm not holy, they're not going to see the Lord. I'm not either. <laughs> that's obvious. <laughs> but that's a given. The revelation is the fact that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus because what did Jesus do? He revealed the Father to the world. What are we doing? Aspects of practical aspects, pastoral care, all of our pastoral care comes through house churches. I'm going to do this real fast. Uh, worship, our house churches, uh, since it's not a meeting, um, but sometimes we do meet, we sing, sometimes we sing in the plaza, sometimes we sing somewhere else, but we teach people, sorry, I'm going too fast, I'm sorry. We teach people how to praise God in the house church. And when they come together in the citywide celebration, it's an explosion. Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. Ah, discipleship. And I've already said it, but I'm going, to re, I'm going to say it again. Discipleship is teaching somebody how to live. It's not teaching them philosophy. It's not teaching them theology. It's not teaching them sociology. It's not teaching them any of that. Discipleship is teaching them how to be a good kid of God. They don't do it to be saved. They do it because they're saved. 
It's not something that's heavily weighing upon them. It's a privilege of a lifetime to be like Jesus with all of that glory. That's discipleship. Discipleship is helping him eliminate everything that doesn't belong to Christ. And on the other hand, helping him build up into his life what is lacking from the life of Christ. That's discipleship. We walk with them. We're not over them. We don't have to be because a true disciple recognizes authority. It's not necessary to impose incorrectly authority in a discipleship relationship. A true disciple recognizes his father, his spiritual father. Discipleship is teaching people how to live. Spiritual gifts are discovered in the house group. Aunt Martha's sick. She's in the hospital. Nobody knows what she's got, but she's pretty, she's pretty bad off. And, and here this young man says, hey, would it be okay if I go pray for her? And I say, yeah, <laughs> great. Uh, let us know how it goes. And he comes back and he says, wow, you'll never believe. I went and prayed for her. I took Sam with me. We went into her room. We prayed for her. And the next day she was at home. Okay. I marked that one up on a, it right here. Because when Uncle Tom has an accident in his car, first thing I'm going to do is call him. Because God used him. And he and Sam are going to go pray for that guy who's been in the accident. And maybe he's not a member of the church. Who cares? Who cares? Spiritual gifts come up. We don't have to, and this is in ministry too, you do not have to determine who is what. What you have to do is create an atmosphere where everybody has the liberty to function and then recognize what God does through them. There you will find your apostle, your prophet, your evangelist, your pastor, your teacher, your, your, your person with gifts of healing. You'll find somebody who has a word of, of science or knowledge. You'll have somebody else who has a prophecy. Because there was liberty, you heard it, and God said to you on the inside, listen to him. That's how you discover spiritual gifts and ministries in a context of liberty. Is there a risk involved here? Of course there is. Let me ask you a question. Did God ever take a risk with you? I've destroyed a few people. I've destroyed a few people. Didn't want to. Didn't know I did. But God takes a risk with all of us. It's a risky business. I have to give them the freedom. If later I have to correct what happened, I do it silently and personally with much love. I don't want him to be discouraged. But I want him to seek the Lord. Okay. Anyway, let's get, let's get going. Querigma dice que preaching and teaching 
This is inside and outside the context of the house church. This could be with your neighbors or it could be with your disciples. But the, the charismatic preaching is so important. Brothers, we have to preach to each other the charisma, not just teach the didache. Because the charisma brings about faith. It builds up our, our desire and our, and our animo, our desire, our... our Passion. A short uh, tradition. Uh, charismatic uh, preaching is. Uh, the, yeah, the kerigma is just the New Testament word for preaching. It's the preaching of. It's the 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 el hecho de Cristo. How do we say that? The fact. Um, the, huh? It's it's uh, it's the preaching of Christ. Yeah. Preaching of the kingdom of the kingdom of of uh, of, uh, of God. Proclamation is the translation for kerigma. And we do that everywhere. <clears throat> what does Peter say that we, we're all about anyway? We exist in the world to improve the image of God in the world. The world has a horrible image of God because they don't know him. And it says that we are here to proclaim the marvelous works of him who called us. That's what we're supposed to That's That's kerigma preaching, man. That's it. God is so great. God is so good. And we just tell everybody. But also the didache is the teaching. The preaching and the teaching is in the context of the house church. <clears throat> just because it's more personal. Huh? Okay. Prayer. Wow. I'm not going to go. That, 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 that's a powerful issue. I'm not going to get into it because we're too late. Leadership development. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. All of our leaders come through house churches. We don't find leaders in a congregational setting and send them out to do a house church. Because that won't work. They don't have a father's heart. <clears throat> when he comes up within the house church, in that intimacy where he has confessed his sins... And he has heard their confessions of sins. And when they have prayed for one another. And when they have corrected one another. And when they have loved on each other. When there's a big need. Somebody's hurting and he's had the other. He's getting a father's heart. And he's a leader. That's leadership training for us. It comes through the house churches. Not through the congregation. Koinonia. Wow. Asados. <laughs> Brazil, Argentina, that's the big cookout, you know, where they throw, they throw everything on the, you know, on the grill. There you go, the asados there. Yeah. Uh, where, you know how to spell the word meeting in English, right? Somebody said it yesterday. You, you know how to spell the word meeting in English, right? M-E-E-T-I-N, no. It's M-E-A-T-I-N-G. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> Fellowship around the table. That's it, brother. Yeah. A fellowship. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. The sacraments. House church. The Lord's Supper. One of the most impacting things that takes place in our lives is the Lord's Supper in house church. Baptisms, 
Because someone who is baptized in the house church immediately becomes part of an intimate group that's going to take care of him. Yeah. You don't have to assign him to somebody. No. The Lord's Supper is so important, guys. It's so important. I, I, I wish we wouldn't have... The church finally diminished the importance of the Lord's Supper. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> We have people that aren't, don't come you know, from our church, and they're there, and, and we're doing the Lord's Supper. You know? But the Lord's Supper is so, you know, it's so confused now with this meeting. You know? uh, are we going to tell him, hey, you can, you can eat with us, but you can't? No. We explain the whole situation. We explain how Christ came and died for us. We explain how he shared this was, this is my blood. This is my body. We share the whole thing about it. And then we say, we ask him, are you in condition in your heart to accept this sacrifice of Jesus? And there are times when people have been converted. Because we didn't close the door to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is so impacting. And we, do, we, don't, we don't realize some of that, and I'm sure. Um, healing, wow, yep. In the streets, in the plazas, and in the meetings. If you want to preach the gospel, heal the guy first, and then he'll listen to you. That's true. That's true. That happened all the time in the New Testament. And it happens all the time. Yeah, Jose Miguel again, huh? Jose Miguel comes up to somebody and says, uh, well, what's hurting? And they say, well, my arms are, okay. You know, you, you've seen this with Thorne and everything else. But what Jose Miguel does, he takes him, he converts him, and he takes him and puts him in a church. And they stay. We have one congregation that the majority of those people in one sector of house church, I'm talking about congregation, house church, one house church, where almost all of them were drug addicts. Hard drugs. I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about hard drugs. Not one had to go to a centro de rehabilitación. Not one had to go through a, a rehabilitation center. No. The power of God released them. We've seen it. It will work. That's how God intended it. Yeah. Healing. Big deal. The last, obviously, is the most important. If this is not done in the spirit of Christ, if it's not done in the spirit of Christ, it's wasted time. We are in the world to mirror his image. And I know you do too. We love him. We love him. When we get together, he's the reason. He's the reason. I think I probably went over. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, there are going to be more input in the afternoon, uh, questions and things like that from you all.